to the Six of Cups. This is episode eight, and with us we have Brother Joe DeZerman. That's the bookmonger, the underscore bookmonger. We have Taylor Bell of the Sigil Arcanum Tarot. Taylor is <coughs> A-E-T-T-I-C at uh, Twitter. And uh, Jake is G-D-F-B-A-C-C-H-U-S. And that's, of course, Jake Zilla, uh, my main man, fellow 22. And uh, with that, we're going to get into this episode. We span the usual gamut of pleasurable topics. We get into memes and Pepe at one point. We get into what kind of game systems and systems for alternative role-playing types of uh, systems like Dungeons & Dragons or uh, Final Fantasy or Rune Factory Frontier or Harvest Moon spinoff. Just get into talking about that kind of stuff. But uh, as usual, you'll get what you want and need out of this because this is where the Rolling Stones song comes to ascend. So anyways, with that being said, I'll give a quick shout-out to the title of this episode, which is another rock band. Uh, This is a Pink Floyd from The Thin Ice, which is what it feels like whenever you're talking about any modern-type memification politico, but uh, I do my diligence and stay out of the fray. I simply have noted been sitting on a really cool point that I make later in the episode related to the title, so stick around. This is, of course, the part in the episode where those who are executive and associate executive producers get their Hollywood credits. They also get points for their character's uh, evolution. As we know, there are characters you can create in this. Uh, $50 minimum gets you a character, and you can start working up to buying armor and points for them and All the money that you give to the show goes to the show and goes to the donations in the same way you would donate to any great podcast. In this case, your points do accumulate for you in a different way. You, instead of just like with no agenda, which I always give my uh, a kiss of the ring to the podfathers uh, and say that I get my value for value model from there, I have evolved the value for value model to the VFV RPG. And it's a system I've pioneered and am pioneering. And I look forward to having a chance to talk more about that with you. For now, when you donate, you donate just like you always do. You get credit for it, and they are real credits. And for six of series, the six of swords, six of cups, six of wands, and six of, well, whole now, for those, you will get an accumulating points system in a different way that you can use to play your character and there will be opportunities to go on quests and to interact, and there's so much more coming. For now, let us to the show. Hey there, and welcome back to the Six of Cups. This is the round table where we have a pleasurable discussion in the vein of the typical theme of the Six of Cups, and with us, we have an all-star team tonight. This is what you get when you put together a super group in rock. We have Taylor... We have Brother Joe, and we have the almighty Jake Zilla with us. So say say good evening, guys. Hey, what's going on? Hey, everybody. Hello. Um, so I guess, like, we're going to just start this off with a random kind of off-the-top-of-the-head kind of thing. But um, So when I say the word science, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Anyone take that. Go with it as you will. Explosions. <laughs> 
Excellent. <laughs> nice. Loving rockets. Super science. I, I just got finished watching uh, Venture Brothers earlier today. Oh, sweet, so, dude. Uh, yeah, Mad Science is on my mind a little bit. What uh, what season are you on? I think it's number nine. It's like the newest one. Oh, wow. Okay, then I got to catch up with you. I'll, we'll I didn't know it was out either. <laughs> yeah, it's so sporadic how they do that. Jake, what do you think? Um, I actually kind of get like two different thoughts in my head at the same time when I think of the word. It depends on context, I guess. Because on one hand, it's like knowledge, and I think of the scientific method and stuff like that. And then on the other hand, I think scientific or uh, material materialistic reductionism, which is what passes for science so often these days. Well, that's that's it's, actually a really good point. Um, before we go forward, someone's got a mic going that's a little hot and it's getting bumped on things. Maybe we could just uh, keep an eye on that. I don't know where it's coming from. Um, if anyone else is hearing it, I think you know what I mean. Might be my mic. That would just be something that I think the listener would love to like not have. I, I, I if we were listening to this, you know what I mean. For sure. Um, but like, yeah. So that's a good point, Jake, about how it's. I mean, just to kind of spit dovetail off what you're saying, it's like actual inquiry using data points as a tool versus the entire paradigm that people set before them, almost what we call the religion of scientism. Yeah, that's almost really not very scientific. Correct. Really start looking at it. Taylor, what do you think about this? It's become pretty dogmatic. I, you know, I think there's a lot of good science being done, but I think that there's also this this kind of, I don't know, it's, I mean, I wouldn't really call it a religion so much as just sort of a, like a fixed ideology that a lot of people get where they, you know, I don't know, they're just, like materialist reductionism, is that what you call it, Jake? That, I think that's yeah. pretty, yeah, pretty materialistic accurate. reductionism. But yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate. I, but I, like I said, I think there is a lot of good science being done, which you know, science, you know, adhering to the the scientific method, you know, dealing with like hypotheses and understanding the world around us by asking questions about it, and, and you know, not limiting uh, what we can ask about. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. And a lot of like what we'll call it scientism as opposed to science with the fixed ideology there, just to differentiate the two. Sure. Um, they, they don't realize how much they actually take on dogma. When you start getting into things, especially like in the physics realm, you start getting into things like uh, the Big Bang. Well, that actually the whole idea of the big bang is because the only, they don't recognize a, they only recognize entropy. They don't recognize any type of organizing force. And so they do these like crazy mental somersaults to, because that sounds too close to a God or something. So they do these crazy mental somersaults to get around there being an organizing force but when you actually, there's really like no evidence for a big bang and it's just completely, uh, it's, it's really dogmatic and it takes really a lot on faith that there is nothing. Well, Jake, I'll tell you what, to your point, the, um, the rigid doctrine of scientism, the religion of scientism, whatever, 
that's doing those somersaults because they're exposing with what you're saying. It's a de facto broken system. It's trying to make things right when their presupposition is wrong. Entropy is not actually how the system works. It recycles itself. That's the thing. It's yeah, there is. But it just to definitely get, ready. But to get the entire point out, though, the Big Bang itself actually a creation of a Jesuit, I believe. So there's some interesting things that need to be examined in its origins. And I'm going to throw it to Brother Joe. Uh, what do you think about all of this? Uh, I think it's it's like the McKenna quote. You know, it's like give us one, give us one miracle, and we'll explain the rest. We're talking about like space and things of, of that nature. It's it's like everything we've done is kind of based on the idea that the Big Bang is a real thing. And I feel like that kind of shades like where we're at now and kind of like pop science. I, I, well, you speak of pop science. I find it very interesting that we see in cartoons and in the mainstream, like we're raised to revere that whole Eureka moment and the free thinker. And even it makes it look like it's a bad thing to be oppressed and not to be able to have free thought. And yet, in the very same world that we're fed that, even in our archetypes, people will find themselves falling asleep or numb to actual inquiry. They'll find themselves finding the shortcut more important than the rule or the law of actually finding out for themselves. Well, I think that's because it's uncomfortable, and people generally don't seek out things that make you feel uncomfortable. You know, they seek out the easy answer. Right, of course. It's, and that's it's like natural. That's we why, like, have... oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, like, that's why, like, those uh, I effing love science Facebook groups are a thing. You know, it's like it presents a very, very comfortable and like unrealistic view of what science is. It's like it's 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 the idea of learning things just based solely upon headlines. I don't. It's yeah. Well, I think it's also dangerous to. Uh, I mean, like you're talking about the news. I think it's appropriate to compare the two. It's uh, the same level. It's the uh, same level of dumbed downedness, I guess. But I, I, I don't think we need to dwell necessarily. I think it was just an important place to kind of start from just to remind that, you know, anyone listening to this, you are consciousness first. And this is this is what follows the the real paradigm that you're working with is only going to work for you when you actually start to act in accordance or in harmony with the natural laws around you. So let's kind of spin off into that different tra tangential direction. Taylor, natural law, I mean, that can mean so many things, but what does that, what does that, what does that bring to mind to you? Uh, I guess like what context, what, what do you mean? Natural law just in terms of laws of nature? I mean, you could that's, go. I mean, that's, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, you know, dealing with like, the fact that whatever kind of universe we're in seems to be bounded by some some sort of rules and regulations, you know, physics are, are a really common example. Um, I'm I'm really interested in that because I'm also really interested in the idea of bending or breaking those and trying to see what we can do to get around things. Because I, I think that that shows that there's, you know, if it doesn't show that there's ways to exploit whatever reality we live in, it, it, it shows that there are things we don't understand about it and that we can learn more about those things so that we can basically be like better equipped to explore our universe. 
makes a lot of sense. Jake, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's um, – well, getting back to what – when you segued into this, you were talking about uh, our consciousness first. And uh, that really has a lot to do with what you're talking about. And getting out of the uh, materialist reductionism, uh, science doesn't even know – science, scientism – doesn't even know what consciousness is but the very fact that it exists what they have figured out they, all they can prove is that they don't it's not located in the brain they don't know what it is and they don't know how it works or anything so yeah that's why part of natural law includes that they have to admit they have to bow down to their so-called hard problem right yeah so uh, now getting into the natural law, uh, well, I go into the hermetic principles on this. And the first hermetic principle is the law of mentalism, which is that the, the all is mind. We are all consciousness, and even matter is condensed consciousness. And so, therefore, how you think affects reality directly. Or, well, it's a little more complicated than that. But. <laughs> Which I think is like an excellent point. I think that like, I don't think, I don't think our listeners necessarily have to deal with this, but it does go, it does bear, it does bear repeating that it doesn't necessarily mean thinking it becomes, and that's all it is. It's not underwear gnomes profit, you know, it's that yeah. <laughs> are, there's alchemical processes. Joe, when it comes to this kind of like natural law and like, it sounds like we're talking about consciousness and how it works. Where do you want to, what do you, what do you have to, what do you want to add to this now? Well, it, it reminds, I think the first person I actually heard talking about natural law, like at length was uh, Mark Passio. And uh, like, he really kind of beats that into anyone who uh, will put the time in to listen to him. And uh, I mean, it's, I guess to kind of like sum it up quickly, I don't exactly understand natural law because I don't think anyone can, you know, it's like, it's a process of unfolding all the time. Like the idea of natural law, you know, like we can only, ex we can only experience it through our limited means. Um, but it just, it seems like you would basically just be trying to, you know, not exploit things to like a, to harm them you know it's like being a shepherd you know what i mean like a like a taking care of things like taking care of the earth you know kind of like that hermetic principle it's like you're fulfilling your role as a god here and i think the idea of natural law would be like trying to figure out what that god is supposed to do to take care of earth i think that's natural law well you're tying straight into it i'm gonna actually i got this from the i met mark passio in 2015 uh, at the Free Your Mind 3 conference. And this sticker that I'm holding up that people can't see, but that I will read from, it's uh, got two sides, green and red. Top sides is natural law, and the other sides is man's law. Makes me think of the Jungle Book. And on the, it's got four columns, and it goes one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And the first one says natural law. It's based upon principles and truth, and that are inherent to creation. 
and then man's law opposing it says based upon dogmatic beliefs or constructs of mind this sounds like super synchronistic right now this is see, we're just, this is why we do what we're doing right now this is it gentlemen this is the magic gentlemen <laughs> harmonized with due to knowledge and understanding obviously natural law complied with due to fear of punishment man's law universal exists and applies anywhere in the universe regardless of location versus differs with location based upon the whim of legislators or moral relativism and finally natural you know what we're going to do man's law first on this last one and on the good note so man's law changes with time based upon the whim of legislators or again moral relativism and natural law says it's eternal and immutable it exists and applies for as long as the universe exists and cannot be changed so, so is, is that, natural law supposed to be like a, a moral like a prescriptive moral code? i know like, yeah, i was going to throw it to you so go ahead taylor what do you what do you take from this uh Let's yeah. No one well, here so has I, the answers, I, right? We're just asking questions. Yeah, I've never heard of this, so th this is the first time I'm being exposed to this natural law thing. Um, I mean, it sounds interesting. It definitely would would work. Like those descriptions would work if I would think if you're not talking about specifically like ethical or moral laws, but you know, like talking about man's laws basically being you know societal structures and and you know creation of cultures and they mentioned legislators and stuff like that versus natural law, which, you know, kind of, I mean, that boils down to, well, you know, a lot of different things. It could be natural law in, in humans, natural law in animals, uh, in the interactions between planets and stars. Um, and there's a lot of things I think you could apply that to. Again, knowing nothing about this, so what do you guys know what this is about? Is this trying to apply it specifically to people? I think well, it's excellent. Uh, Jake, I'll, let me just say that I think it's excellent that Taylor has this um, way of seeing this information for this first time with his ability to understand the occult because this is extremely important to see how these things could possibly be one contiguous system. But Jake, take off from what you know about what moral and uh, the moral implications of natural law have to do, especially with how we organize ourselves as people. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'll, I'll start with the kind of in the broadest strokes, natural law is just uh, every thing, everything has a cause and every action has an effect. And so uh, that's basically the, in the broadest strokes, what natural law is it's stating that. And then there's, all the different ways that those can unfold now so yes in many ways it has to do with physical laws but it's not limited to that it does have to do with the the way the animals interact with each other but it's not limited to that and uh, one of the big parts of it is us as more aware beings capable of choosing a moral direction we're almost held to a higher standard because we can be aware of the effects of our decisions. We have the ability to make decisions. And, and there are, uh, we're also capable of empathy, or at least most of us, I hope, are capable of empathy. And uh, so that we can see how our actions affect not just ourselves, but others as well. And 
so and it does have very real effects in the physical world but also in the mental realms and the emotional realms and everything else that all these have effects yeah i think cause and effect is like a really it's a perfectly simple way of looking at it but it's kind of one of those things that it's like a real stoner thought you know it's like it's deeper you know it's not just cause and effect it's like everything like if you have a garden and you feed it pesticides and you know like uh crappy fertilizers and then you eat that food it's not going to be great for you there is a better way to do it i would attribute that to being like more of a natural law not not in contrast to what you're saying but like in the idea of cause and effect it's like what you put in garbage in garbage out like programming like that is one of the keyest concepts in it is garbage in garbage out i would say and uh i'm a computer programmer too so like uh a lot of the same concepts you know i was an occultist first and then started learning software development and uh a lot of the concepts are very uh i think i think it really helped me learning the occultism first really helped me uh, understand the way computers work better because I already understood some of these natural law principles a lot better. What you put in is what you're going to get out. And in the process, learning software development, how to code and stuff, helped me uh, understand the occult aspects of it too. So That's very cool, by the way. And it uh, makes me think of the slipcase on the uh, original lateralis cover you take that off there's the uh, factory made kind of a, you know circuit breaker diagram so that's what makes me uh, think of whenever you talk about that there's uh, occult things to do with the um spirits of that machine enochian technomancer what what kind of stuff um taylor bring it home for us let's reach enlightenment so we can all go home let's uh what do we do with this? How does it come full circle? What's going on with this now? <laughs> well, I was just going to say, um, I actually, uh, Jake, I, I learned uh, kind of the inverse of what you did. So I started as a programmer and then eventually found, you know, occult stuff. And when I started learning rituals, I realized they're set up a lot like programs. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff, there's a lot of echo and reflection, you know, between what we do with programming and what we do with spirits and conjurations and you know banishing and all, all kinds of stuff um I, so i think it's really interesting but um yeah i uh i don't know i mean it seems like there is some kind of force at work and i would say whatever it is probably is related to or kind of like one of the main effects of whatever kind of first cause there was, if there was some, you know, whether it's a big bang or, or kind of, you know, cosmological like deity event or some God created everything, whatever it is, you know, that I guess I kind of think of the universe sort of like a, a, not like a simulation necessarily, but like a program and thinking that it had parameters and it had, it had, you know, certain ingredients that were mixed into it when it was created, you know, a certain amount of energy, for instance, and certain variables for how things would interact, you know, what, what I would consider, like laws of nature or something like that. But then that, that permeates to a deeper level. You know, it's, it's more than just, you know, it's more than just how atoms interact. It's, it's, you know, kind of becomes um, everything in a way, right? Like how, 
ideas develop like um, beauty and like aesthetics and, and how we can appreciate those things, you know, there, there does seem to be kind of a, a flow and a general position of, of things like that. I, I wanna, don't know. I want to tie it together. I, I love what you said. And also as someone who has a lot of Venus in my chart, when you especially kind of like consummated your, your concept there into the, 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 the expression of beauty, I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'll take that. Um, I'm just wondering, I want to ask a really nuts and bolts question to tie, bring it all really back together before delving more into the consciousness aspects of natural law. I have to honestly ask, and I'm glad we have two people who program the damn things. I honestly do not understand ultimately how a flash of electricity becomes things that I'm interacting with. How does that work? What, what is like, how many, because I know now that one thing I learned recently, uh, and I'm making an effort to learn this, so I appreciate any goodwill gestures of listeners to point me in a good direction. Uh, like, a, I guess every circuit breaker has like an, a, I forget what they call it, but it's a clock, and it sends out a rhythmed, rhythmic pulse that keeps it on time. And that's like one of the most foremost aspects of a circuit itself, or the entire board anyways. But so I got to ask, the question is this, how the hell do computers even work? <laughs> that's a really complicated question at the basis level so you have uh it works through resistors and transistors and uh basically it's whether or not it lets that little pulse go through and then there's uh what you call logic gates which there's different ones and or uh so you can say if this happens and this, then this is open, right? Now that's at the very basic level, which in the very early days, that's why you can do a calculator, you know? And, uh, and when each circuit or each bit had, it was a uh, vacuum tube that was about was relatively large, <laughs> You couldn't do a whole lot with it. It took you a whole room to be able to multiply, for instance. You know? <laughs> but uh, now, of course, everything's so fast. Like, uh, you know, your uh, your uh, processor happens and is rated in megahertz, which that's a million cycles per second. And then there will be 64 bits most of them have 64-bit architecture, so that's 64 times however many millions of cycles per second that it processes all these things. So that's how. how that's what I'm wondering, though, like how do all these things happen? It's so amazing. Well, it's, all, it's basically binary, right? So like you have your computer, like, like you were saying, it operates on this kind of time you know, system where it starts – starts kind of at zero, right? And then like there's input that's kind of given to it and it processes it in order and, you know, it has to deal yeah. with hard drives to, to store, you know, store that data so that it can access it later and, you know, 
RAM to kind of go between the processor. Yeah, it preloads all of the decisions that have been made. And I'm sure that the, the, um, a lot of my amazement still comes from the, the GUI, from the graphical user interface, like the whole like, wow, I'm seeing this. But when I strip it of the actual interface that the pixels are creating, I'm sure that the actual process is a lot more related to like these little blips of electricity either activating a logic gate or not still it really is something that and it brings us back around to our consciousness because i brought up that slip cover for a meaning um that slip cover is kind of like the graph you know the processing that we can see that's being suggested that if you have a good attitude if you have a good structure that you can face your consciousness or <clears throat> excuse me um whatever the vessel that your body is that your consciousness is part of your physical is going to reflect your your mental the whole so your whole process right your disposition basically it's kind of a program that you slip over the essence of who you are it's important to realize that it becomes true because it's going to happen but the point is you can choose that so what i'm saying is garbage in garbage out the same thing goes with an attitude right it's like 90% of life is how we react to it and 10% of what happens so i mean no matter what system of magic or uh, religion or philosophy you follow or even if you follow no philosophy right but whatever the idea is and i'm going to start asking you guys just to to speak to this like when we combine the fact that like we are programming ourselves and there are laws that dictate this reality and yes we like to see if, and part of this is bending it and percentages and chaos but it's also just like treating others and seeing that since and i'm going to add the caveat since it is as above below and we we will mention the hermetics we are all one freaking being you know you, you you realize that the person who's hurting other people is actually in the on end run stabbing a, ourselves in the toe with a pin or something just to use a cartoony metaphor here's the question though how can we tie this together and where can we start to meaningfully use this for people who are listening to this what good things can we uh start to bring out into the world practically with this framework that we're guiding this uh, forward with all of these metaphors we've cobbled together thus far. Uh, same order as usual, Taylor, you're up. Oh, uh, I will defer to Joe and then I will come back around to it. Or, or Jake or Joe. I don't know. You guys can fight for it. Like, I'll, throw the, I'll throw the meat in the middle. Go for it, guys. Wow, no one wants meat today. Well, what was the question again? Jeez, <laughs> oh, You don't get your pudding. Um... Yeah, the question basically is what we've been talking about this far, uh, natural law and talking about how... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was what we can do with it. Basically, so, yeah, uh, all of that. Yeah. 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 Well, how do we use this to benefit ourselves? Computer programming, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, without going into the more esoteric aspects of how... Or... Yeah. <laughs> or, or do it. It's this. It's fine. Well, I could do that too. Do it. Uh, <laughs> it's per, it's requested by the house please good sir well okay so I'll, I'll go into this then so like you know there's different programming languages and each one works a little bit differently and how you write it and some have better strengths some have better have some have bigger weaknesses but they all use the same hardware they all so they all at the basis level operate the same where it's binary it's either on or off but uh but they layer it in different ways and then some are better for some things and some are better for others and uh so that's when people start saying oh like 
this is the truth that makes this not right or whatever. It's kind of ridiculous because they both are as effective at what they do as the next one, you know? And uh, that's why it's really important going into what, uh, what we can do with this. So knowing the way these things work and you don't, have, you don't even have to necessarily know how it works. You don't know how, have to know how your computer works to use it. You just know if you click on this, that this happens. If you type this in, that you're going to get this back, you know? Yeah, with, with a degree. I, uh, there, there is something that I would say is fundamentally – it's like the signing of a uh, document whenever you go onto a new app or something like that. I do feel like if we're actually plain facedly looking at it, we are making a deal using something we don't know. I just think there's something in that archetype. I'm not making a claim. I'm just, I oh. can't help but mention that. And I was getting to that. But so, you know, okay, when you click on this, that this is going to happen or whatever, right? So, you know, if you click on the microphone here in Zoom, then it's going to mute your microphone in you want to turn it back on, you got to click it again. So that's the basis level, right? But at our most basic level, because it's actually far from the basis level, it's the, the interface level. Uh, but the more you know about it, then the more you can change on it and you understand how it works. And then you're not unconsciously making deals with things because you can actually look at it. And be like, oh, oh yeah. There no, has I think to that's be this that's doing yeah. this that has access to this. Yeah. In order for well, me to be here, to Jake. To one point, just to interject a, a parenthetical. Like you said, you're not making deals when you're not like wanting to. Like it makes me think of like when we get angry in life, or when you start to go down like a revenge fantasy, which is a human thing. We get angry. And we start to think, oh, this or that or the other thing. You know, just driving, you know, in Boston traffic and tell me you don't once in a while. If, if not, actually get out of the car and try to do it, I've seen. So the point is, is that you um, want to be able to catch yourself because if you start to do that kind of, I'm pretty sure there's some kind of level like higher up that you're making a deal with something that's feeding off of that negative storyline. Hmm. God, I wonder what's in Stephen King's aura. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke i joke i love i love stephen king he's actually born the day before me he's september 21st um so he's you know he's got the whole equinox he, uh or excuse me did i say that right uh equinox good uh, yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i'm trying not to say uh, just for the listeners eclipse don't confuse the two all right guys joe um we've been going on i think it's i think it's fair to pass the mic to joe for a quick second Joe, what do you think we can do with making it uh, more uh, practic uh, practical based from your knowledge of your own experience and from what we've been bringing tonight cobbled together? What would you say is a good way to go from here? Uh, that's, that's a hard question. Obviously. It sure is. Uh -huh. At least it's not the one that the consciousness, uh, the anti-consciousness science is trying to say. But go ahead. I feel like, it, like I don't mean to be super cliched, but like, I feel like people deal with so much unhappiness and being unfulfilled that I, I feel like that's almost like the mind virus that we're kind of fighting. You know, it's like, if you're not, 
like if you don't feel like you're fulfilling a role or doing something and hopefully something you want to be doing, I think there's like resentment and that just starts to boil over. It's like a repression of your true self, whether you know it or not. And I like, I think if people were able to figure out what they, and this isn't easy to do and I haven't done it either, but like, like find out what you want to be doing. Well, I got two T's to respond with and the two T's are going to be a uh, Twain and Thomas. The Twain is, of course, brother uh, in Freemasonry, Samuel Clemens, known as Mark Twain in Missouri. Uh, it's Missouri, right? Mississippi, Missouri. No, it's wait, Missouri. In Missouri, yeah. yeah Mississippi Missouri. River, mostly. In Missouri, yeah. That's why. So he said that the most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. That seems to be said, you know, it's a good one to respond to that with. And the other one is the gospel of Thomas, that which is within you. If you bring it forth, it will save you. And if you do not, it will destroy you. And that's uh, something we hear Miguel say, uh, a good friend of ours, Miguel, talks about the truth in that sense. Not saying we found the truth, but it seems to be true. And it goes back to what you're saying, Joe, doesn't it? I think so. Um, and I don't mean to be glib about it because it's definitely not it's like, uh, again, the ever unfolding path, you know, like there's, there's not an answer. Um, but I think that, you know, uh, how to, how to not just like spout a bunch of BS. It's like how to practically approach that. Um, you know, you have to experiment and do things, I think, and try different things and like do the things you're afraid of. Um, in addition to that, there's, uh, I may have talked about it before on here. I'm not sure, but, uh, the uh, magician Franz Bardone, he has a, an exercise called the soul mirrors. Um, and the first one is the black mirror. The second one is the white mirror of, you know, like black mirror of the soul. So the idea is you, you, you figure out like all the things about yourself that you feel are holding you back, like a hindrance, you know, whether it's your anger or if you drink too much or if you don't listen to people or, you know, like all the, all the things you stumble over. And you go through that and you, he has you ascribe those to elements and you end up creating like this, uh, like a four poled magnet kind of, um, like once you incorporate, I'm stammering here, but once you incorporate the white mirror or the, like the white mirror of your soul, which is the good things about you, you create this four poled magnet that's based on that four elements and you use them to counterbalance each other. And I just said a bunch of stuff, but the idea is you start introspecting. And then from there, you build on it methodically. That definitely sounds like a system that we could actually do a roundtable or a talk on sometime in of itself. But I like where it's going. And it brings me back to the idea. There's a, um, again, here we go, a tool. But they seem to be becoming uh, resurging. Might have nothing to do oh, with yeah. Have nothing to do with their album coming out. But the idea is they're, they're in our consciousness. And so there's this video... Uh, that's uh, talking about the 46 and 2 concept of human consciousness evolution. And I mean, take it for what you will in the video, but there is an interesting diagram that you'll see flashed on the screen. You can do a screen capture, this, that, the other thing, but shows, I believe, the shadow and the ego in a Venn diagram. And I found that striking. And I think there's something in there that bears looking into and I do ascribe to the concept to a degree of crucifying the ego before it's far too late. 
I think there is something <laughs> extremely important in that that may have to do with what Dark Journalist has been talking about with the Eighth Sphere and what Chris Knowles would say from Secret Sun, better morgue than Borg. But now I'm just going to back off from all of that and just say that it seems to be important to not get over-obsessed with the ego, nor to deny what's really in us. So let's go forward from there. Uh, Taylor, you're up, bud. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, we're talking about um, dealing with the shadow or dealing with the, the black mirror self and the white mirror self and kind of trying to transmutate your essence, you know. Um, that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons that I got into magic and occult practices in the beginning, which was basically, you know, trying to um, change things about myself, you know, improve my life, um, become, become more of who I want to be, if that makes sense. And I think that we were, we were kind of mentioning like chaos earlier and stuff and uh, maybe think about like chaos magic. And a, a big thing that I like about the idea behind uh, chaos magic is that you can sort of, you know, write your own programs, so to speak. You, you don't have to necessarily use Java or C++ or Perl or whatever. You don't, you don't have to be a Buddhist or a Christian or, you know, whatever. You, you can kind of harness that power by yourself and start programming at the ones and zeros level. But I, I think that's a, a pretty good way to um, do that kind of transmutation. And maybe, maybe, that, maybe that kind of alchemical breakdown and rebuilding of of things, you know, um, from what they are into, uh, in, into an image or an idea of them, maybe that is part of that natural law and part of what, what kind of fuels the, um, you know, the changes in, in the universe and just, you know, the being of, of it all, if that makes sense. It almost sounds like if I could just, before we pass it to Jake, say that consciousness almost wants us to evolve and that humans it said that we are the macro, the microcosm of the macrocosm in this plane. I maybe humans are the alembic vehicle in which this, uh, you know, is perfected or more so bettered than it was. Uh, it could be. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. You know, maybe maybe we're here to devolve. I don't know. I don't think so. But whatever. Uh, Jake, what do you what do you think about all this crazy stuff that we're obviously crazy, crazy magicians, the four of us on the Sergeant Pepper's cover? Someone has to turn around. All right, guy, Jake, Jake, you're up. All right. Um, well, first, I want to say that uh, getting into going back to the the computer analogy for a while, and it's an analogy. We're not computers, and this isn't a computer simulation. And in a second, I'm going to get into how, why exactly that's true. But uh, before we leave this, because there's still a lot of useful information here too, um, we're going into the introspection. So in computer processing, you have three stages. There's input, processing, and output. And then the processing is kind of where the output becomes the input again and it layers it up. And that's how it turns little ones and zeros into all the wonderful things you can see and do with your computer. And uh, you have those same things going on where uh, it's almost what, what you allow into your consciousness is the input. 
Absolutely. And, and which is also the things that you think directly, but it's also things you don't even notice that you see out of the corner of your eye or, or uh, hidden themes in movies or all kinds of stuff. Or thought forms. Just loose, th- loose thought was, forms. Yeah. I was getting to that. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> You're up. Right. So what people think, the only thing that there's, they're processing is that which they put in there when, through the internal dialogue, put in there themselves. But that's not the only thing that's processed. It's yet to realize the output you're getting isn't necessarily purely from what you're putting in. It's what you're putting in combined with everything else processing. And then you get the output. Now, the easiest thing for you to affect is yourself directly, but you are connected to the entire universe through your subconscious. And uh, so you can also affect the outside world just as much. You know, it's, it's a little more complicated of a process, but, but yeah, so it's really important to know how the those processes work and then you can identify oh wait why am i not getting the output i want what's the input that's coming in there but uh but now i want to talk about the differences between why this isn't a computer simulation and uh it's not this universe isn't binary this universe isn't isn't digital it's analog and things don't just happen in black or white blah blah blah. everything happens in a whole spectrum of color and there's no one point where you could say okay this is officially blue this is officially green and there's a sharp line they flow into each other computers don't do that in chinese they have the same color uh for blue and green they say they have a very similar word i remember uh the TV show Firefly had some famous thing where the character uh, Jane uh, had a shirt that said blue sun, but it actually read green. And it goes to your point that there's like this, you know. You know, at what smear. point do you say this stops and this starts, you know? Where does blue become indigo, yeah. indigo become violet? Was the sea actually wine dark red anyways? Anyways, sorry, continue. That's all. That's the last <laughs> interruption from me, folks. But yeah, and so when people start thinking, and it's from actually, this is knowledge that's been passed down forever, that everybody knew that like this world is really primarily a mental thing, you know? Uh, even when we see atoms and everything, that's just, uh, those are non-physical things that are, Interacting in a certain way to give the illusion of physicality, which is the main problem with the material reductionism, is that really what is an atom? Okay, it's electrons, protons, and neutrons. Well, what is that? What is that? And then the more they break it up, of course, they're going to keep finding stuff smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. smaller. That's just the nature of it. You break it up, you got smaller pieces. But it's nothing ultimately. And, uh, Going back to the ridiculousness of the Big Bang, where uh, Joe was talking about how there's 
give me one miracle and then there doesn't have to be any else. And it was like, yeah, something doesn't come from nothing. And the idea of the big bang is, but this one time it did, you know what I mean? I think well, the simplest. <laughs> uh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I was just to say, you'd reduce it back to God. You know, God made the big bang and then science follows the big bang. But at the, at the, you know, at the very beginning, you still have a miracle that there's no explanation oh. for. So it's, it's, and you can't explain no. life. You can't explain life through uh, how does life arise from entropy. It's, it's a, it, you know, the very fact that we are here existing, you know, evolving, proves that there is more at work in the universe than entropy. That there is a, I like the term centropy for it. Or there's no officially recognized scientific term for it. I really like the word term centropy. Other people use negentropy. Which I'm digging centropy. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Well, just just to play devil's advocate, you know, it could it could be that, for instance, um, entropy. You know, it, at, you know, in the beginning, if we're going to follow any kind of Big Bang uh, model, things were basically just um, molecules, you know, uh, atoms and and such that, you know, form dust clouds and, and stars and everything else, which are radioactive and emitting that kind of energy tends to, you know, mutate and distort things. It, it could be that basically suddenly uh, non-living matter um, became something that it wasn't because of those mutations became moved or, you know, moving matter, I guess, you know, cosmic became, rays kind of stuff like that. Sure. And you know, who's to say that that energy isn't, you know, life itself and that, and that we just don't understand how much life there actually is in unmoving matter, but who knows? I mean, we, you know, we, we, we can't well go and talk to rocks. So I'm going to, I'm going to flip this. Well, besides animism being entirely enticing and can quite convincing and, and, and not entirely the point where I was going, but to flip the entire thing, I would just say the Tao that can be spoken is not the eternal Tao. You know, so I mean that, you know, you guys want to, not y'all, but you know, I'm saying people, you know, just like, you know, cut things apart and like, hey, what, what part of the jellyfish's ankle is this? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you can't exactly, <laughs> toenail, no, nah, dude, I just dropped my burrito. Okay. So anyways, the point is, is that you can't cut everything into pieces like that. That doesn't, that doesn't do life. Life isn't dead. Life is life. So if you try to do that, anyways, so. Uh, with with how to divert, I think what we were trying to bring the people was uh, talking about how different systems, <clears throat> and I want to say not all systems are built equally. Some have like a certain designed end for like a white lodge brotherhood kind of, uh, uh, you know, that's how they structure it. Other ones have more practical tones. Other ones have more self-centered tones and they run the gamut. So I think that there's, different inputs and outputs that if you actually are faithful to these programs, you're going to get a fairly consistent outcome of a particular variety. But I think that's worth saying that we were trying to get into talking about systems and I believe it's brother Joe who's right up right now. And where am I supposed to pick that up? So talking about like systems and how we choose what we're trying to pattern our lives after and how we're not just eight you know we can we can choose to be aimless but when we choose to have a particular system in our life it kind of has a particular rhythmic clock timer that a program on a computer or a circuit has 
So I guess we're talking about like the, in, the impulse of that in our lives and how we can use that to make our lives better. I don't know, I'm just making it up as I go along as always. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I think it is easier to have a pattern to follow or like an archetype or, you know, something to relate to. Um, I think there's kind of two, there's two things there uh, to kind of pick apart. One is that kind of touching back on what I said earlier about people just wanting answers. It's a lot. I mean, that's why. I mean, that's like the difference between a magician and just a person who's religious. You know, it's like that participation. You know, it's like like we're both seeking answers, but uh, I'm not willing. You know, I feel like if you're more skeptical, you're not willing to just take what the book says. You want to experience it yourself. Uh, That said, yeah, there's we're fed a lot of archetypes to identify with and a lot of like um, fake role models through through entertainment and media now um, not now but always I guess and I, that that that's a lot easier you know just to come home and watch TV and to like slide into whatever role you know you like make believe you're an Avenger or something like that um, or just you know watching like a home remodeling porn or like uh reality tv i guess it, you know like they're all selling you like a life yeah. that doesn't need to be lived and i don't i don't know how someone decides that it's more interesting or more fun or more more excuse me more worthwhile to uh do the harder thing yeah like i like that, that's what i have the hardest problem trying to come up with like how do people live a better more fulfilled life like oh, I'm so, I yeah I'm like, so glad I, you brought it there though like you need that like I've always felt like dissatisfied or that like there had to be more to something and I think that's what always that was like the fire for me um, but I don't know what that is for other people or what how to inspire that even well it goes to our living situation too because I think that's something innately uh about our program on this earth is being part of the earth and without being able to have our feet in the dirt, have our eyes to the sky and have real food going in us talking about going garbage in, garbage out or good in, good out. You know I mean? Like I think that's an integral part of this. We got to at least understand, you know, the tripartite, like we're all, we all want to be that hero in that story in the cartoon. Well, let's be heroes in our individual lives so that we can actually be there for others so, you know, we actually are the Avengers in that way. But you know, I think that permaculture, just like permanent consciousness evolution and assuming that you can't just throw a piece of garbage out and just like you can't throw a human emotion out. You can't treat someone like you would. So just tying this all together, I think that a fitting system, if we were to choose one, would be one. It wouldn't necessarily be a system system, but... It would be a living, breathing, and organic way of looking and understanding the world and a common conversation, an adult set of language and principles that we can share and come back to at the same understanding, the same grammar, so to call it. The, say, it, the words have the same damn meaning, and there's no hidden fine print because we all understand how... Uh, anyways, without going more into talk about the grammar and logic and the rhetoric, what I'm trying to get to is this whole point what this conversation can serve for at least in this first half of it, it's getting to the concept of what, what does it look like to frame a conversation or to discuss with each other? What are the main important topics that we need to cover? What are the main 
behaviors and structures that we need to bring to this so that they are met within whatever system that we're entering into. I mean, is it as vague as morals? It is, oh, you'll end up understanding how to bank money or to see past the illusion of, certain, you know what I mean? So anyways, that's a big question what I just asked, I guess. But I think that's what we're trying to at least, you know, with our hermit lamp move, vague, you know, towards. That's a good shape to talk about. I feel like what you said there kind of contextualizes it because it is vague. It's nebulous. It's very big. It's our very. It's the. It's the existence talking about the existence without anything less. Uh, a quote that's coming to mind while you're saying all this is uh, from uh, Robert Anton Wilson, one of my favorites. And uh, it's uh, don't confuse the map with the territory. Oh yeah. <laughs> I actually think you got that from well him and and uh, Timothy Kenner. Was that McKenna too? Didn't McKenna say something like that? Probably because I know Timothy Leary talked about stuff like that too. The meal is not the menu. Yeah, yeah. The menu is not the meal. Or the map in the territory. Yeah. The map in the territory makes more sense to me because you can have multiple maps of the same territory that are telling you different things. You know, you can have a topological map versus a. Uh, street map versus, you know. Well, the territory is the natural law, and the map or whatever is man's law. Right, and these different systems are mapping it differently. They're telling you different things about it. Like, you know, say, like, uh, Zen Buddhist is telling you different things about the universe and yourself versus, versus hermeticism. Well, her- hermeticism isn't a good example because it's pretty all-encompassing, sort of. But <laughs> well, that's actually a very good thing to bring up because if it's useful as a tool, we should be bringing that up because if everyone can use it, then it's universally applicable. That's in the basket. Yeah, and uh, though that's actually where hermeticism was born from was, and you see, it's from different mystery schools throughout the the ancient Mediterranean world, mainly started meeting up and comparing notes and finding out. So like there were some, a lot of differences, but they had a lot of things in common too. Yeah. And so, you know, as that evolved a little bit, they started figuring out what they, uh, had in common and they took the best. Yeah. yeah, no, but that's why we're talking about it too. So, and, uh, Taylor, do you have anything to add to this? I've actually been reading the uh, Corpus Hermeticum recently. Um, uh, of course. Picked up a copy at the uh, my bookstore, and uh, I'm almost done with it. I think I have like 13 pages left. But yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like there's a lot of heavy influence from a lot of these different systems. You know, uh, I can obviously ton- see obviously see tons of like Christian and uh, Judaic influence there, but there's also a lot of like Greek and Egyptian and like Zoroastrian influence there. So it's just interesting to see a lot of that stuff kind of pulled together into sort of a syncretic uh, system in a way. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's also, <laughs> I guess hermeticism is also not like the, uh, end all be all of, um, you know, of systems. It's just another, another system. It's a pretty cool one, but, um, you know, it, it is interesting that you can kind of, uh, work with a lot of different ideas, uh, and they all sort of have the same end goal. You know, when we're talking about bettering ourselves or kind of improving our lives, you know, in one way or another, um, 
tools are tools. And I think that uh, learning how to use them is important. Everyone should have those at their disposal. Uh, it's, it's, it's a damn shame that our societies don't really have those at the forefront more often. There's, you know, at least nowadays, but. Like if we actually taught tarot in grade school, instead of having bells that ring after 45 minutes to make you feel like you're not doing anything that matters. And in fact, you're not learning long-term interest patterns, but how to be a Ford factory anyways, excuse me. All right. Great. I am going to just make a quick break in the show. This is what we call the mid-tro. We have the intro, the mid-tro, and the outro. So you're listening to the part of the show where those who have donated between the 199.99 and the 50.00 and above between there, that's where this donation segment is for. Again, I'm thinking about how to roll this whole system together. I love making things up as I go along. Uh, this is gelling together. One of the ideas is that if you're donating to the executive, then you're going to get a certain modifier on the points that you get for your bonus. So there's all sorts of ways that I'm working this together. I'm very grateful to be pioneering this type of the value for value model. I think it's the most excellent logical evolutionary conclusion step to take. So I am. I'm taking it (laughs) as artists do. So that being said, I have no other housekeeping needed for right now. So let's get back into the show. Here we go. So let's talk strategy games. Let's just talk about games in general. Uh, Taylor, why don't you talk about some of your favorite games from any genre, RPG or otherwise? Oh, man. Well, um, I guess recently I've been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto V because it's uh, just a phenomenal game. And uh, if you haven't played it, you definitely should. It's uh, the single player is a masterpiece. It's a little bit, a little bit weird and different, I guess, but it's it's pretty good. Um, but I mean, like as far as like RPGs, uh, you know, Skyrim's always a classic comes to mind. But uh, Dark Souls is, you know, I don't know. You guys ever played like any of those like Dark Souls or anything like that? Bloodborne. Yeah, Dark Souls is one of my favorite games. Yeah, and I like those. I like those kind of games where, like, like uh, God of War is another one of my favorite one, favorite franchises. I just finished the uh, new God of War game the other day. Nice. Yeah, the nice. campaign. Anyway, it's pretty fun. Joe, what about you? I'm still working my way through Breath of the Wild. That's there. no spoilers, of course, because I haven't yeah. gotten a chance. I don't own a Switch yet. It's uh really good. <laughs> Everybody, I mean, obviously. Obviously, it is. Um, other than that, I keep going back to playing Borderlands 2, hmm. getting ready for uh, the new one to come out. Did you play the pre-sequel? Yeah. Did you I enjoy it? I think it was weak on story. Okay. Uh, but it was fun. I enjoyed the gameplay of it. Like It took me a while to get into it, and then I, I started liking it. But it just didn't feel as full. That's fair. So in a game, like what are you what are you looking for that makes it as far as these more like building leveling games that we're talking about? What's what's some of the main aspects that you look for, and why does it draw you in, Teller? Um, I mean, I guess I really enjoy uh, like in God of War, for instance. You can uh, you can level up Kratos, and you can unlock more skills, 
uh, and you can unlock better equipment and do you know all these stacking things. But then like in in Borderlands, it's that, but you know times infinity. It's you know it just happens forever. Same with like Destiny and stuff like that, because you you can always be improving and uh, always be kind of adding on and, and changing things. Um, I think I feel like World of Warcraft was one of the first that really brought that into the fold, but I could be wrong there. I don't I don't know. I don't actually play WoW. Uh, EverQuest, I think, did it before World of Warcraft, maybe. But. That's fair. Well, Jake, same question posed to you. What do you think makes a game good? What are some of the key core aspects? Um, well, I like... One of the things I like about it is that you can really... Uh, I like the games where you can really uh, customize your character and then build teams where each person has their, their own role and their own function in the team. You have to work together. Cooperation part aspect of it and, you know, to use each other's strengths and cover each other's weaknesses and stuff. That's a big part of it. Um, like in the God of War game, I really like the puzzles yeah. that you had too. Because it was, you'll have the action. That game had it all. You had the action. You get the level up. You get to change your skills and abilities. And they had the little puzzles that you had to figure out all through too. Same with like Half Life Two and uh, um, well, Breath of the Wild too, actually. Yeah, I haven't played Breath of the Wild. Half Life, Half Life Two is a really good one. Joe, what do you think? What makes a RPG or a leveling up game where you can, you know, it, what do you think? Same question to you. I'm always more drawn to games with a like a a fun or a good story, like narrative in games. I really enjoy um, like the Metal Gear narrative. I think that those games are there. They go beyond what video games had been. You know, it's like, that's, that's a, that's like, like a literate, like it's a, that's a real story. Mm. My, uh, I had a friend back in high school, by the way, just as a quick uh, Metal Gear Solid two had, people that you could stuff into lockers and collect the name tags from. And he's a certain guard, like looking at a poster. And if you kill him and get his name tag by stuffing his body in a locker, you'll see my friend's name. <laughs> cool. how, how about that? Anyways, I thought I, I thought that was an appropriate thing to add to that uh, since metal gear came up, but the only one I'm familiar with and feel free, um, uh, spoiler alert for anyone, but feel free to go ahead and, but yeah, I'm familiar with the first one where, you know, you're at the barracks and you have to get through and you have to confront Psycho Mantis and all of that. So I, I think like the like the underlying story of it, like evolve, like you're basically part of a like you're a warrior in a world that is like at each game is like needing a warrior less. Mm. And like as the storyline progresses, it's almost like a samurai with no master anymore. You know, like there's all these like, like, like snake and then just like all these other like super soldiers, like it gets, I, I don't want to like ruin the story. It's actually, it's like overarching, like a ton of games, yeah. but like, it's just kind of like beautiful, like in a, like in a Western or in like a samurai film sort of way. It's like, okay. so these people are creating the environment for a warrior to exist in. And, but it, it's also kind of following like how technology is and how the how we have drone warfare now and how it's like the deep person 
like the depersonalization of combat. It's it's like and the robots and the nano machines. Yeah, it's it's. It, I think it's. You should at least read the like the Wikipedia entry on it if you're not going to play all the games. Yeah, there's some uh, really good. Want to. Sorry, Taylor, go ahead. Oh, there's a lot of really good YouTube videos out there about the story and with most games too, but they they give a pretty good um, yeah. recap of what the hell is going on, and it, it, it's it's super in depth and and very very interesting. Actually, Joe, I feel the same way about uh, Silent Hill 2. I don't know if you guys have ever played that. Well, that's and was, interesting. Yeah, because I was thinking the Resident Evil series does a similar thing. Yep, it, it, that's that's true. And they're all kind of, I mean, you know, in in the same vein, too, with just the, the style of game in a way. At least the, the originals were. I think they kind of evolved into different things. But I was really sad when I found out that Kojima, uh, the, the project with um, Silent Hills got canceled. Yeah. yeah, I played that demo for a while. Yeah, it's pretty good. There's a there's a port of it to PC that you can download. I I downloaded it and opened it, and uh, it worked pretty well. I ran into a, a spot where I just got stuck because of the puzzles, but worked pretty well. Yeah, it's really true. Got canceled, basically. Is that what happened? Yeah. So uh, Konami uh, was producing the game, um, and they were going to have Hideo Kojima develop it. Um, he's the 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 person who did um, Metal Gear Solid franchise, and it was, you know, they put out PT, which was incredible. That was the playable teaser. And then, um, I don't know, a couple years later or something, uh, the project basically just got canceled and uh, Kojima was fired from Konami and he uh, started a, a new company, uh, Kojima Productions, and is making, actually, I think, is it out yet? I don't know. Death Stranding? It's a new, new game that he's making. There's a lot of footage of it online. Well, hopefully it'll turn into them being like Nintendo with Sony and how they rejected Sony. So, and it became something amazing. So, hopefully, this yeah, right. will be something amazing too. He's a real storyteller. Like it's incredible. So that's the I guess to tie back to the first part of the show and what we're talking about now. It seems that like with making the world around us better and with improving knowledge of the importance of things like permaculture and how they're connected to our actual being. Is there a way that we can tell a really, really, really good story that involves some way of like letting people know they're making real progress? And how does that all tie together with what we've been talking about this evening? I think people have to find that on their own in in a way, you know, to to a degree. Um, but I think that that's something that is like a conscious choice to continue your story and to continue to whether that's improve yourself or, or make decisions that you'll na- later need to fix or deal with the consequences of, you know, I think living that story is something people ought to choose to do. And I, I also think that sometimes people don't choose to move the story along sometimes. And Can I just say quickly that it sounds like the Cara, um, Joseph Campbell, like it's stepping into the role of the hero and the archetype of the mythical hero. Right, but the hero is an archetype that basically changes, right? You know, their their whole mission is to be that transmutation from one thing in the ordinary world through challenge and strife into the, you know, the, the changed version of themselves. But then, you know, as with sequels, you just, you know, there's more change, right? So the hero is always kind of changing archetypes. It's, it's sort of the, the person of many masks in a way, which is kind of interesting because that is what I think people should strive to do, try, you know, strive to not necessarily completely change and reinvent themselves, but just change and improve and, and reflect and create 
new things with what they sure. what they are, and uh, yeah, kind of pull that pull that hero myth into your own life in a way. Talking about the changing uh, <clears throat> archetypes reminds me of the enneagram. Makes me think of the enneagram where there's depends on which way you go. Wherever you're at, there's you're going towards one way. If you're going forward, you're going. If you're going the other way, if you're going, you're gonna you're gonna be headed towards another archetype. And there's not one point on there that's the perfect point. You're done. You know, you right. keep going around it forever. If you know, in in theory, and for you know, if you live forever. The teaching the book of changes, right? Everything is always moving and whenever one thing is created it's exact opposite is created as well so um but i guess like to bring the question back around again joe what do you think we can do to gamify making the world a better place how <laughs> to gamify it i mean it's it's probably not it's probably not an app. <laughs> they tried. Yeah. But I don't know. I, it's probably, for me, I guess, it's it feels so, like, if, it almost feels, like, silly to try to say it. But, you know, it's like, unless we actually, like, share, I guess, like, what you actually do, it doesn't, uh really have any weight um yeah so for me to like gamify like like the way that i get anything done or like make any changes is i just have to like take notes constantly and i don't do it a lot i forget all the time but like you, you know it's like like laying out problems or it's like balancing your you know like looking at your bills or something you know just like like be like be like brutally honest with yourself and just like write shit down. Yeah, you have to hold yourself accountable, or else there is no real change. Yeah, and and, and just just from like a record keeping perspective, you know, like with the way our phones work, you know. You, but for me, I, if I put something in my phone, it's gone forever. Hmm. They're like bookmarks on my browser. Like, do I ever go back to them? No, never. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah I definitely hear you. Um, but I guess the, to tie it back together. Uh, the way that I see it, and I'm just kind of playing with this idea, just making it up as I go along. The only one that knows if you're actually changing at the end of the day is you. And it's actually if you actually give a, a care about this kind of thing or not. Some people hear this kind of talk and say, oh, haha, they're trying to make themselves better and I don't know. Like, I don't think that like that, but you can see, you know, you can be creative and discursive with that kind of thinking. But for those of us who actually have some skin in the game and do want our world to be better because maybe some part of us has some kind of responsibility that we feel, I don't know, whatever we're trying. Well, I guess for the way I would look at this is like, learn what is most practical about what knowledge systems will actually deliver a good fundamental core that will help you exist in this world take care of yourself in whatever system you're in. You don't always have to throw a revolution every incarnation cycle. And then with that, you know, hold yourself accountable because at the end of the day, you know whether you're doing your lot in life. And not everyone has a mansion. 
You know, some, some of us get thrown into really sh- crappy things when we're younger and stuff like that. But ultimately, we are responsible for ourselves. And if we can actually better ourselves in that way, then no matter if the world's going to crap or not, then we've still won. But secondly, if we do, then we're able to help other people, even if the world is going to crap. And thirdly, if we're actually the four of us trying, it's indicative that others have an interest in this as well. So, yeah, this is part of the important part of the conversation to make it so it actually rubber hits road. And, and become the hero of your own life. Hell yeah. As, as cheesy as that is. Like, no, it's not. It's you know real I mean? talk. It's, I mean, don't be corny about it, and it's not corny. It's yeah. a cool thing to be a good, to be a helpful person. It's, it's actually cool. It's, but it's, at the same time, you have to balance that with uh, limiting the ego as well. You know? That's true. Yeah. Like, uh, going back to the games analogy, especially I used to play a lot of, uh, I'm still kind of into them, is the, the tabletop games where it's, yeah. uh, you know. Like uh, RPGs like D&D and stuff? Yeah, like D and D and Shadowrun. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, so in those, you're constantly bettering your character through the things you do, and so you get in your your role on the team, and everybody nobody thinks they're better than anybody else on the team necessarily, because you all have your place. You know, you have couple good fighters that can keep people off and you got your magic users that can nobody ever wants to be the cleric but everybody we always need a cleric you know <laughs> but, cleric. yeah and then the people that do like playing clerics they, uh, <laughs> they're really popular guys in the game high demand <laughs> and, uh, and then you level up your skills based on uh, what you need to fulfill your role, you know, and you change in in such a way that's like dynamic, and you can now. You, tabletop games are are kind of the last place where you can literally do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not limited to anything but what you can think of. Almost. Yep. There's yep. the framework you're operating in, but anywhere your imagination can take you. If you can convince the DM of it, then you can. <laughs> or if you can become the DM. Or if you're the DM, yeah. <laughs> I always thought it would be an, like an interesting. Um, <laughs> this sounds crazy to say, especially right now, like on a recording. But uh, <laughs> starting to experiment with like taking inspiration from things like D and D, like because it is so so like kind of like wacky and out there. And based so heavily in fantasy, like what what types of things can you, you know, if we are if we are creating our own narrative, like what type of inspiration comes out of that into practice or could come out of that into practice? Hmm. That's that's really interesting. Uh, have you have you thought of any anything in particular <laughs> about that or no? I just it, it, this is such like a stoner thought. Um, <laughs> You're on the right show. But uh, I don't know. I always wondered, like, we don't actually like, for the as far as I can tell, most people aren't really trying magic, magic. You know, like I feel like a lot of people are trying, myself included, like psychic magic or you know, like willing things, willing change. You know, sure. 
um, I don't know exactly what I'm proposing. But well, like, I think I hear what you're <laughs> saying because if we're actually going to be trying to make a difference, then we are. We need to actually level ourselves up. <laughs> we need to put the rubber to the road. We need to actually stop living the half-life. We need to step into the hero's role, which is actually living that way that you know you are living that highest potential because it's hard. It's really hard. And it's not hard because of the boss or the co- You're like doing all the things and you're, dri- you're, bring- you're driving relentlessly. You're pulling your destiny towards you. You can feel it. You step in, well, you start resonating as that character. And going into the back to the, the the tabletop RPGs. So how do you level up your character? You work on, you know, okay, your DM usually just kind of, okay, I'm going to do this for a day or two or you whatever so I can, but yeah, but you work on your particular skills, hunting skills or, or swordsmanship or whatever so that you can be a better character and then those increase your stats by through doing it. And, uh, so, and that's basically know. So you got to know your role, how you fit into the world, you know? Uh, and you gotta like, one of the biggest things is pay attention to what the problems you see that other people don't seem to see. Nice. That's how you know. Yeah what you're supposed to be doing. That's how you know where to start leveling your skills. Let me just say that in like, they say in the world, when you're trying to be an entrepreneur, look for the problems that other people need solved. It's I, I just like throwing like this kind of business thing into the magic with the (laughs) freaking, because it's so real. It's real talk. It's useful. People want to know some people need to hear, all right, well, what's it going to do for me this way? So we need to be able to bring it all. It's just, uh, it's increasing your charisma skills. Anyways, well, I'll actually kind of, um, you know, Joe, you're asking inspiration we can get from like D&D and stuff like that. One thing that popped into my head is the way that we talk about magic in real life versus the way that we see magic depicted in like D&D or any kind of like Tolkien based, you know, anything, anything dealing with this sort of like high fantasy arcana stuff. I, I, I like to imagine that that type of magic, um, because I like to imagine that anything is possible, that that, that 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 type of magic is possible too in in such a way that we can create technology that allows us to manipulate the world around us in much the same way that we use magic uh, in, in terms of like whether we're talking about the psychic magic, you know, of, of uh, manifesting things or, or we're talking about rituals or we're talking about whatever, right? Like all of that, you know, there is... A technology involved except for maybe like pure i'm going to think this thing into existence and that works but sometimes you know that just doesn't like work. the garfield uh, the cat christmas special where he gets the gift giving machine and where he puts it on his head with a santa hat and everything he thinks comes real but sure. uh, here here's okay yeah no that's 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 an interesting point you'd really have to know how to control your mind that way oh my god yeah <laughs> and think things all the way through that's that's something that's very, very seriously lacking. I noticed in the world today, and people think they want something, and then that's all they see, and they tunnel vision on it, and they they don't really think it through. Like, if this, what else does that, right, do? You know, yeah. Well, thinking that kind of stuff through can really help to you know aid with manifesting things too. You know, like trying to envision the consequences of, of actions, you know, mm-hmm. help, help put you in that place. 
the thing about the whole like we were talking about doing real magic and things like that we can use an example more or less and i'm just gonna say that i haven't actually successfully or even attempted any enochian magic i don't know if anyone here has I done minimal but some they got things got really weird really fast so but, <laughs> yeah here's where i'm go- well here's yeah now here's where i'm going with this though like so as you know tool utilizes phi update awards enochian in the title of one of their songs on the holy gift which is the middle track and utilizes the 911 caller the area 51 caller from art bell he's freaking out and everything like that so i mean like i think that any kind of thing that we're trying to do to actually have rubber hit the road and have actual practical we need to find a way to eventually get the but what if but what if type people to understand the in, the entity influence on us and also what that has to do with technology and we can get into that more because that has to do with you know you realize in the background of that song that they had talking about channeling entities that they had a malfunctioning uh i think it was like a synthesizer danny carey owned because he has a ton of synthesizers and kenneth grant books so you add the two together. <laughs> and, and i'm t- you see right there that's brilliant uh, oh wow so but the whole point is that we have to consider what these kind of different influences are having on us even as far as we program ourselves and how we choose to understand what we're doing i'm just throwing that all together yeah nokians have a crazy effect on electronics too (laughs) interesting one harry is a a thelemite at, at the very least you know he What's that? Is there a noise coming through from some kind of? Sorry, I just heard some thud sound. Please, so you th- you're claiming Kerry may be a thelemite? Oh, he's definitely a magician. Yeah, he he's he's talked about that before. He uh, he uses a lot of different geometry and also kind of ritual structures when he's doing his drumming and stuff. I don't really understand how it works, but apparently they they actually do ritual before and maybe after uh, performances and recordings and stuff. So you- I don't know. Do you have a source for where that's coming from? Like, Let me look it's it up. Coming from? Vamp, I'll find it. All right. Uh, Taylor, would you just check your mic, please? There's something going on with the sound coming through. It's like a repeating echo thud. Anyways. Hmm. Is it from my chair? Is it... It's gone now. It sounded like tapping on like a desk or something. Yeah, it sounded like the Raven quoting Nevermoreish. That's coming from mine because I, I haven't been moving or touching my desk. It's it's whatever you did, it's good now. Okay. It might have been me. I don't know. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take it. Well, if it was you, I don't think you'd hear it because Zoom cuts you out of your out of the thing. So. I'm trying to take the hit here. <laughs> Thank you though. Um, yeah, man. So, anyways, while we're trying to figure all that jazz out, what do you guys think about a Tool's new album coming out? Speaking of Danny Carey and whatnot, what do you guys think? Jake, what do you think? I haven't really thought much about it at all. Oh, <laughs> man. oh man. Joe, what about you? Any uh, Anything from your neck of the woods there? Um, I'm interested, uh, definitely, to see what it's going to be like. I was always, like, a peripheral fan of Tool, so I, I don't... I don't hold too strong of an opinion, but I do think I'm always skeptical when something's taken this long. Uh-huh. Um, but Tool isn't, you know, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't expect something bad to come out. Uh, but it's going to be, I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I've been always, I've just been like wondering what, what, like what tools, per, like what their thing is. Cause for them to put that, to put out all of the uh, Nokian and ritual work into their uh, subject matter. It's like, what, what is, if they're, they're called tool, like it's a magical tool, right? They're using that as a tool. So sure. it's like, what is their ends? Uh, yeah, like that's something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, what are they sure. trying to accomplish with it? Yeah. So yeah. I've wondered about that as well because they dropped a new single called Fear Inoculum, which is really interesting. And the lyrics are, uh, it reminds me a lot of a ritual um, in, in that it's, it's very much like a banishing and uh, even the title, like fear inoculum. In inoculum is something that you use to inoculate or immunize yourself against something. Yeah. Now, are you familiar with aversion therapy? Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Can you recap it? Aversion therapy is basically when, let's say I'm the therapist and I'm trying to treat my patient, get over snakes, fear of snakes, and somehow it's impacting their life. We'll start by showing them maybe like a picture of a snake or even talking about it. And slowly by slowly, we introduce them to their fear and then they experience it and they see that it's not the end of the world and that we keep going. Right. I was told by a mentor back in the day, he said that the definition of evil is to say that this ever ends. And so what I always kind of like, I always think about these things. And when I was younger, I got the concept like, you know, you see someone's energy trying to crush another one's energy and how can you really be brave? And it's always just to be defiant till the end in this way and say, no, I am, I am my own unique. I will, I will express myself no matter what try, uh, type of terror you try to impose on me. So the ending idea like this is like, do this or this, do this or this, you know, like the, the, the Nazi-esque or the fascist. It's the same thing with the concept of fear in of itself. Fear is fascist. What I'm saying is fascism is fear. So if we can get past that fear, which is what Phi Update Awad is, by the way, you asked me what I think they're doing. I think ultimately they're having you confront your fears and move through them. I think fear inoculum is Phi Update Awad in a way, and I'll get into that later. But basically what I'm saying is to face it and then you move through it. Oh, shit. I, 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 I handled the snake. I didn't have to like hiss hymns and like come speaking words. I just handled the snake. Now what? You know what? Where's my fear now? So that's what fear inoculum is. Just as an aside, um, when I was 14, I think, my friend uh, Tyler introduced me to Tool. And the way that he did it was we, there's a bunch of kids over. We were all uh, standing around his, uh, his air hockey table. And he uh, had his iPod and he played um, The Ginty Trace, which is the last song on 10,000 Days. It's an equally creepy song, uh, but also has some, some interesting vocalizations in it not not a recording but um it's terrifying so so what he did was he turned the lights off and he played this song and he was like wow oh, we all have to you know make it through this song we were all, of course terrified but it just kind of confronting that was was sort of an interesting you know that just made me think of that when you're talking about confronting your fears and stuff oh but i hear I, you i actually I ripped the headphones off when i was listening to five day award yeah <laughs> not even kidding that's a real story i literally and confronting your fears is the perfect going back to being your own hero. Yeah, absolutely. Some yeah. Jordan Peterson stuff here. Is it? 
Yes, absolutely. Talking about going into the subconscious. Actually, this goes even deeper. Like he was a. Well, okay, this is good. I wanted to get into this stuff, guys. Check out where. Uh, check this out. So Joe, Jake, and Taylor. Here's something I noticed about how the whole thing with like one one aspect of our society, since um, we kind of just touched upon the leftist, you know, Antifa-ish for a, a brief smidgen. On the right, we have the the Pepe from back in the day, but we have Pepe, right? And it's all the meme wars. Sure. Well, I noticed something with Jordan Peterson and uh, the whole kind of, it seemed like it was a prophetic. We, we've been talking about the need for initiation and why there's a lot of unrec- you know, unfulfilled potential in our country because people are still just living as children. And that's because we haven't gone through, I think, in a broad stroke, a proper initiation. Jordan B. Peterson's work was the basic initiation foundations. Take care of your surroundings, go into your subconscious, transmute. These are basic things that he was saying. An interesting synchronicity that ties us into my real, the real life here. On the very first day of 2017, uh, he texted us. I, I had texted something at him with, a, a, okay, ready? A tool song. I had texted okay. just, I, yep, yep, yep. No, it, dudes, my dudes, it's all coming around. I texted to him disgust. I, te- I texted him disgustipated. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And so then he says, he, say, he tweets back at me. He says, wow, that's a real punch in the mouth. <laughs> then some people like videos about like 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 it's like so it was like really neat this little thing and then that richard spencer guy gets punched in the mouth so there's all this weird stuff so there's this connection to this primal thing there's like this need for us to anyways i'm not going to go super deep deep right now but i noticed with the pepe thing that Pepe is obviously a paternal. It's the re, it's the right side of things, right? It's more the right side of the society partaking in the Keck stuff, right? Okay. Well, the Keck itself is all interesting for dominance and submissive and crazy subconscious linguistics. But what I noticed is that Pepe is just the word meme with paternal instead of mama. It's papa instead of mimi. It's peepee. <laughs> It's, it's it's peep it's it's meme it's peep the frog it's just a linguistic turnabout but that's how simple it is it's right in front of our faces the whole time the veil is so subtle it, it caresses us and yet isis will never let us lift it but there you go it's 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 meme it's mimi the peepee the frog what do you guys think about all that shit go ahead pardon my language <laughs> that's an interesting concept i never really but yeah, the, would be the the masculinization of the feminine meme, you know, would be the Pepe. Yep. <laughs> I've never never thought about it that way. It's that's interesting. <laughs> I've been I've been I've been sitting on that one for a minute now. I've been I've been sitting on I've been talking with I've been talking like I've been telling my girlfriend I'm like yeah I'm gonna bring this up on the next six of cups yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I I've been enjoying this I've been kind of rolling it around like mm, interesting. So I thought that um, that was a kind of subconscious scream in our society. The more that we get kind of like into this place where like people are being replaced by robots and what we're seeking, I think in, in one way is being heroes of meaning. We're returning actual organic meaning to our lives. And I think if we can actually keep that flame alive inside ourselves, 
will start to rekindle that faith in the earth and get more connected. It's basically the, the, it's the elixir to what you would call, and I'm going to use blank gross terms, gross meaning large, the eighth sphere. It's or over technolization or globalization or technocracy, call it what you will. It's the it's false reality that's overlaid. False reality. Um, yeah. Amen. It's the it's, it's the hell earth versus the heaven earth. So, eh. It this just kind of occurred like going back to like what you said about uh Pepe and memes and things of that nature. I, I, I sort of feel like what's going on on the right right now, or what could easily be described as the right, but there's nuance there, of course. Um it's like it's like COINTELPRO in oh, definitely. the 60s for the like the left. This is like a reiteration of COINTELPRO of the right. Yeah, Q, Q and Telpro. Yeah. Most of what they, the, the media would have you believe about the right is not like, doesn't really exist. The no. media is inherently uh, liberal, and I say that as someone who's balanced, but I only listen to No Agenda for my news, so, you know. <laughs> but I'm saying they're like, they'll say all these things, and it doesn't really exist, but then people like, like, okay, yeah, oh, they're fascists. Well, they call these people call anybody slightly right a Joseph Stalin fascist. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I think <laughs> we do have a pretty broad, and I'm not calling anyone's in, uh, F politics to be sure, I guess, but like we do have a pretty broad spectrum in this panel tonight. I think we all come together just talking about the same overarching goal. We all have the same human spirit. That's what needs to be met. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. talks about. The better part of ourselves that bends that moral arc towards justice. Doesn't have to be social justice because that's like a basic McDonald's arches at this point. It's commodified and steered and uh, that's the Q Intel Pro for the, uh, you know what I mean? So uh, organic, right? Or I, I think we're talking organic. So what I've noticed a lot the past like, particularly the past four or five years, they're steering everything so far to the left that what used to be the middle is drifting right. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're getting polarized. Relati relatively because, you know, oh, what, I don't want to have sex with a, a transvestite, so I'm a bigot now? Like, what the hell? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of that, too, is just like, like that's not how real people are either yeah. you know like it's the spectacle and like we allow this spectacle to dictate the way we view everything and it's not real it's it's for clicks it's like it's like we're becoming assholes because of clickbait pardon my language no it's pro wrestling it's a good seeing lex you know like lex luger getting suplexed by hulk hogan and suddenly he's suplexing his brother Right. It's like, like what I said about the, the whole Q stuff earlier. It's like those people's hearts are in the right place. I just feel like, you know, like when you first start waking up to things, yeah, you're eager and you really want to be a part of it. Like when you first found out about magic or whatever, you know, that was like all you did because that was all you wanted to talk about. And I, well, I, I, I like, I recognize that drive, but it just, it's too bad when that, gets co-opted it's difficult yeah. too for a conspiracy culture or like quote unquote for finding out that the world doesn't necessarily work 
as A to B as people think it does. Or I don't know, just that general zeitgeist shock of finding out that things work laterally and that there's many moving parts. Can right. you get into that? That that paradigm is so overwhelming that there's so much stuff that's coming at you that you it takes a while to catch up and get your water wings again. Right. Like, don't stop at David Icke. Like, keep oh going. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, like, going back to the Q thing, like, uh, well, Q, Q is actually the latest iteration of, of a pattern that I've been seeing, but this time it was directed more towards the, the Patriot crowd or whatever, right? more conservative crowd versus the, the one the time before that, it was more the, uh, the new age crowd. And then, you know, I've seen it happen multiple iterations, you know, well, there's probably a market up all the time. It just depends on where our individual consciousness is focusing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying it's a, yeah, but I'm saying it's a definite pattern that I've noticed and, and when you start looking at it, you start realizing, oh, the same people are behind it. What do you think? <laughs> they all have ties to the alphabet. What, what do you think would be the reason to try to kind of co-opt the, the experience of, of consciousness and creating? Yeah. Uh, I'll, so, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that for a quick sec, Jake, just to say right. the Catholic Church is famous for in the modern times and what we call history, which I find that a world that's been around for so long, having 2000 years of Mark, I'm not going to even go further than that, but that's interesting. So we have an organization that wants to control the consciousness, right? This doesn't just end and end, end or begin with entheogens or anything like that, or that there might have something to do with, you know, Christ and mushrooms, but the, I has the idea has to do with more that, you know, there has always been a priest class trying to control the, the mind mechanisms, right? So that's not always. It's almost like a dark archetype that we have to fight. Are sure. they trying to control or <laughs> did they just get thrust into the role? <laughs> Does it matter from whence the virus began, I guess? Well, okay. So, like, you, way back, they always had the shaman, right? Who. Uh, and even still in, in, in indigenous culture, still so they'll have their shamans, right, who interact with the spirit world for them, which is interacting with their subconsciousness because that's what affects their subconscious, right? And uh, so, in some ways, you could say that they're controlling the population, but it's not it's not nefarious, and it's it's not trivial, and it's not uh, and it, it it's necessary. You know, does that make sense? They're working as a beneficent, a benefic liaison versus what we're talking about with like a arconic control grid, maybe or something. Well, saying that's what happens, and that's we're approaching the end of the age. So when the Catholic Church was first created, the idea behind it and what they were trying to accomplish was actually a very good thing. You know. That the idea was that okay, because towards the end of the uh, of the uh, Aryan age, everybody was fighting over every little small cult that had popped up all throughout the Roman Empire and everything. We're fighting over who was in control over everything because it was the end of the Aryan age. So that's what happens, right? They got Aries, right? And uh. So their idea was, okay, what we'll do is 
we'll make instead of everybody being able to like go all willy-nilly and learn everything we'll have one class of people and they need to be incorruptible so they shouldn't be able to touch money they shouldn't be able to have sex because this is what corrupts people you know what i mean because that's a lot of that was happening towards the end of the age of these what's cults. your source on this stuff my man I'm, I'm listening to this i just want to know what's your source on this um uh, there's a lot of them i couldn't necessarily point to a particular but let's bring it so that we can because I, I feel like joe has not gotten any of this and i know you're trying to get around to a point so basically yeah, I lost my train of thought. Uh-huh. no not you i meant i meant i meant jake's trying to oh. finish point before, so you have time to think about it but the, the basic concept about the control grid that we see happening now versus the priest class i guess well yeah so uh, what I was saying, basically, the uh, the idea was to have this where these are the people that are being in charge of that stuff, that area. Yeah. And they were trying to make it incorruptible class. Right. You know what I mean? That would be – obviously, we can't all just not have sex or ever have to deal with money or whatever. You know what I mean? That's, it wouldn't last very long that way. But they wanted people that would – they were trying to make it incorruptible class was the idea. And so these people will focus on the spiritual aspect of everything. Other people can focus on the secular aspects of things and go about their business. Well, we'll have this, this secular, this uh, spiritual class that trying to make an incorruptible one. Now, obviously we see what happened to that. It got very, very corrupted, but <laughs> no, such but the, thing. no, yeah. no. The, the point I was establishing was that it was, uh, the idea was, uh, I don't know if I would say it's a very well thought out idea, but they were, it was, uh, uh, the intention was good, you know? Oh my God, it was brilliant. No, uh, the Nobel Prize is on the way, Obama. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that being said, Joe, you're up. I'm so there is a book by Buckminster Fuller called Operation Manual for Spaceship Earth. Um, and it the book starts off with uh, an essay or I guess it would be an essay on um I think it's called the great pirate barons or the great pirate lords. And it's all about the, the general idea is that back, you know, back when people were just like when sailing became the way, you know, like people were actually crossing the oceans. There were Kings, there were rulers. And then there were like the sea captains. And the idea is like the sea captains were the only people that knew how the world actually worked because they were the people going from place to place. Um, <laughs> what's funny is I was supposed to say this first, <laughs> forgive me. Um, the rulers, the kings are basically just like the strongest gang. So no one actually has any real claim to anything, right? Because it's all just imposed upon by violence or threat of violence. Um, that said, fast forward back to the kings sending out explorers the king sat home and ruled their countries, but they didn't really understand how anything worked outside of their small world. 
the only people who actually knew how anything worked were, or like the, the bigger, the grand scheme of things were the people who were going from different lands. They spoke different languages. They knew that like what was more real. And the essay goes on to talk about how eventually the world became so compartmentalized and specialized that no one was actually really in charge anymore. Um, so it's kind of like that corporation effect, you know, like as, as people became specialized, you had to learn less, you had to know less. So people are just basically cogs in a machine and uh, kind of to like wrap that up. It just feels like the machine is, you know, like there's no one driving this car and we have a strange like distorted view of power and leadership <laughs> and i think well, that's, that's why things are crazy it's because as above so below and it goes to why you'll never get technology that actually emulates the human soul or that aspect of what it is to be conscious uh you'll get some damn fine tech don't mind my you know it's for real it's good so i love uh the up the, the you know most recent you know but <laughs> The point is to the long term of things that the same thing goes for this. Yeah, the, the principle here, it's you, if you do not have something that is actually organic and a corporation is not a person, my friend, then, you know, it has no soul. Ultimately, yes, yeah, someone pushed the button and a bomb fell. But, you know, it's not and there's no banality of evil either. It's all of our complicity. And ultimately, really. There is no thing running that machine. What what the time is is for the step backs from the machine into do what we're doing now organically come together. And it doesn't happen all at once. Things happen in their own time. And there's a lot of things like, uh, especially with the rise of media since in the past what hundred years or so. That's when film, radio started to get big, TV, everything. And around the same time was when psychology and psychiatry were being done. And we know for a fact that they were trying to find out how to manipulate people into doing things. I'll tell you what, though, just to your but point. But we're at a point for yeah. sure now. Jake, they hadn't per put oh, sure. The, they put things in the supermarkets for people to take pills so that they would take their family members and think they would put pill stories here and is your daughter is your son hyperactive here people get this passive influx there's the that's one of the biggest bombs in our psychic field is i just wanted to get to your point please continue yeah so uh but it was so they were just starting out with this which is actually based on occult knowledge but it's, it's filtered through that scientism materialist reductionism it's not as materialist because it's dealing with the mind, so I could do that as materialist, but it's more atheistic reductionism. Well, they're treating it to a materialist end rather than an ultimately yes. good end. Yes, and uh, uh, and so so yeah, it's trying out how to get groups of people to do certain things, and but it wasn't necessarily a very accurate science at first. You know, they've been perfecting it along the way. But we're definitely at a point now where there's nobody exists that grew up outside of that to where we're all been and manipulated by this imperfect science. Yeah. And the only way out of it is to get know how it works and then know yourself 
and you have to be honest with yourself, have to introspection, all that type of thing, to understand how you're being manipulated. And then once you understand how you're being manipulated, it doesn't work anymore. You can see it. I mean, the the Wizard of the Oz uh, metaphor there is definitely true to to a, a good extent. There's certain things in life we have to protect ourselves from, like, okay, now I see it, but did I change my behavior to adapt to that, right? There's a whole aspect about that. Yeah, and also don't lose your mind in the process. <laughs> right. There's a season for everything. Um, uh, oh, I, please, I got- go ahead. I was just gonna say I actually have to get going. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Well, we can we can uh, we can keep going for a bit. But Taylor, thank you for joining us this evening. Yes, indeed. Thanks for having me. It's uh, been a pretty engaging conversation. It's a uh, nice to chat with y'all. Only only sure. pudding. What can we do to make it more engaging? It was a super engaging conversation. <laughs> Excellent. No, when you fill out all five stars, they put my name in for a thing. It's a good, yeah. yeah there you go. Yep. <laughs> like, I got a, like a bagel or something. I don't know. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to keep this going in your spirit. We're going to make it good. Holy shit. If we don't, you're going to come back and get us, aren't you? But all right. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Take care, guys. All right. So, Jake and Joe. Joe. What do you guys think that uh, you know? You know, do we do we fix the reality? Are we good? Can we all go to bed now? Is this good? <laughs> you did ask me to bring up, um, if you don't mind. Oh yeah, no, you know it's a good time. Let's do that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we were talking about uh, like the bullet point here is synchronicities versus coincidence, uh, with a with the subtext of fourteen scale. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, when is something a coincidence versus, you know, the actual, you know, like an actual synchronicity, but then also who, you know, who are we to judge what a synchronicity is for someone else? But. Well, I want to, I want to, could I just say that, um, we just brought something up too a few minutes ago about, um, gosh, what was it? Well, anyways, something that made me think... Oh, you brought up Buckminster Fuller. Yeah. And I was just... I want to say I was struck. I was extremely grateful that someone had brought that, like, level of consciousness in. And it made me think of someone who I... I know Jake knows that I visited on Jake's birthday. Give a shout-out to uh, 322. Respect to the 22s. I um, went and visited James Allen Egan who is basically what I would say is in the one of the closest to Buckminster Fuller, one of the closest living men to Buckminster Fuller alive right now. He runs a museum down at the Newport Tower Museum, which is in fact on the flag of Newport. There's the, the John D. So here's the, here's the kicker. It's a tower on the Newport flag. His whole understanding of it is that it's actually a plan that was planned and drafted by none other than John D himself. And in fact, like I was there over on Jake's birthday, watching him display to me these old school techniques that are totally mind blowing. Just something as simple as the camera obscura. You could see everything outside upside down in the room. 
on a from a pinprick in the window on a screen it was just mind-blowing so these are the optics and understandings of the reality these people are using with the geometry and the timing of the year and so if that's if they're building physical structures to that living monuments what does that say about our alignment as god's created creatures in this world or the microcosm to the macrocosm of the deity of the creatrix creator what does that say too about then our ability to actually make this world more geometrically or temporally or whatever perfected what do you guys think about that buckminster fuller style you mean like uh incorporating like in uh, well i'd say like what kind of what you're referring to is one of the big things that we lost with the rise of all this uh psychology and the applying the atheistic uh reductionism to the mental states and stuff because uh just look at the architecture with the architecture from 150 years ago to today 200 you know we used to build these grand crazy cathedrals that have these incredible effects on your mind yeah and then we would fill them with sounds and the way they were built would create standing waves and all kinds of cool stuff yeah yeah we don't do that anymore yeah we got hollywood bro yeah, yeah people got tired of giving money to the church Right, <laughs> my friend. Well, that's the thing. Like they used to do cool stuff with it, but uh, you know, have you ever been to an old cathedral in Europe? Or I like the, I really like the Orthodox churches in the, in the Eastern Europe. You go. I could see you totally digging that, man. Because there'll be the the architecture for one thing. So when you're in it, you have the architecture, the domes, and all the crazy stuff. Yeah. The and idols are good, too. Or the icons, I should say. The icons, yeah. And inside, the whole, every square inch will be covered with the paintings, the icons, and stuff. It feels like magic. It it definitely is. And that's that's one of the things I like about the Orthodox Church. Is that they retained a lot more of the mystical aspects than, than the Catholics did. Yeah, it sounds like even guys, more going into the Protestants. So. Sounds like you guys both have experience with that. Um, I'm gonna have to check some of these Orthodox, especially the Greek and uh, perhaps some Russian out. I I would really like to get that experience. Um, Protestant, you know, I think that's an interesting tie-in. You could see like what is what did Protestantism bring that took people away from Catholicism. But what does that do, and where did the magic get lost, and what's the interplay between the two things? Yeah, because definitely, like, if you go to a Catholic Mass versus going to Baptist Church on Sunday, you can definitely feel if you get, you know, I've been developing my astral senses for quite a long time. Right on. But, <laughs> but you can feel the difference, like, if, if you can... If you're capable of such things. Yeah, you know? it's palpable, and it's got to be more than just tradition. Yeah. I'll say it definitely Catholic is. Mass, though. If you go to, like, a legit Catholic Mass, like Latin Mass or something. You do feel yeah. something. It's Yeah. It's, that's totally different than going to, like, a suburban, like, Catholic mall. Or okay, Catholic I got mall. one for you. 
I was at a universal. I was going through a period where I found it was helpful to go to a universal Unitarian church. You know, regular old. It was very. Anyways, without the finer points, one of the dimes I was there, one person stood up and argued that it was unfair that we had to say that God existed in the church <laughs> that, it, that we should say that atheist because he was apparently an atheist at a UU and he was trying to argue that it was oppressive for us to say that God existed literally came up in this church. So I couldn't be, I, I, you know, I like, there's something or tradition that matters a hell of a lot or not tradition, but whatever this, the jouissance of the religion or that experience is. Right. And like with the, Protestants especially, it's like they uh, they didn't know why they did it. And so they just didn't, thought that they didn't need to do these rituals and stuff. You know what I mean? But didn't well, only the priests know what that stuff was back in the day? They read it in Latin and stuff? Yes, and that's the whole point. <laughs> it goes back to what I was saying, and there was a clear division that was pur pur purposely uh, created. Think about Pisces. It was going into the age of Pisces, right? And so Pisces is two fish, both swimming opposite directions, right? So it was the division into the spiritual class and to the secular class, you know? And, That's uh, interesting. I've never heard that before. And they tried to basically consolidate the mysteries into the... Uh, the spiritual side versus, you know, but basically removing them from the secular side for the most part, you know, well, and then that's what we're going to Let's tie it back around since we are spiritual. And I think Joe asked a good question about coincidence and synchronicity that we totally Pisced way away from because <laughs> we totally do that. So what, like, because we're going to wrap this up with this question. What do you, Jake, you start, what do you think about coincidence versus synchronicity? And what does it have to do with meaning either personal or otherwise? Well, okay. So according to Young, the definition of a synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence, right? So what well, meaning is a very subjective thing. So it's like you were, how could you say what somebody finds meaningful and what somebody doesn't? It's a really subjective thing. It's what you notice. Because even somebody else that you might be having the synchronicity and they just don't see anything about it. And uh, it's not like, oh, it doesn't make it a real secret. It, it is real for you but for them it wasn't you know because it's a subjective thing it's like the synchronicity is singular or a coincidence you only if something's a coincidence you're usually in agreement with someone else like like how often are you like do you share synchronicities with people it's much i would have to imagine it's much rarer than like me and so-and-so wore the same shirt to work today and like that's a coincidence but then there's even like i don't know i started that and now it doesn't feel 
like a full thought. <laughs> it's like synchronicities, like they feel magical. And I feel like maybe coincidences don't have that like authenticity of like actual like it feels like the universe is interacting with you with a synchronicity or as a coincidence can just be like huh that's weird and for me they're really often mutual with people like that's how i well, Jake, like you and I have been talking sometimes, and we'll end up hanging up, and it will be all twos. Yeah. Well, like last night, I would, uh, went to go get a drink of water. Now I was coming back into my bedroom. I'm like, oh, I should call Nate. And as soon as I got behind my computer, I saw that you would and, uh, message me on, uh, <laughs> on Twitter there. So, you know. So what I'm wondering about all of these 40 and things on like the level of reality and how our, cause I want to tie it back together with making the world a more, a more betterer placerer place, you know, especially <laughs> with, with the, with the concept of like using some kind of higher angelic Buckminster Fuller maths to kind of understand how we can level ourselves up in permaculture, the F out of this place. The point is, I guess, is that, um, hold on, before my well, mind. Well, what do you mean by better? Because, well, just, yeah. Sorry, but it, that's one of the main problems in society. Like, I, is I that people, like, try to, like, followers of Christ when people should act more like Christ, I guess. It's one way just to answer that really quickly. But that's, like, irreligious that means to be like just a really cool person you know what i mean like the the, the best christ part anyway so i i guess i was trying to say to tie together the concept of this like making the world a better place but also with what we're talking about right now joe, joe what do you think about that with the synchronicity and consciousness how can we tie synchronicity and meaning and fortean realism or this spectrum to how making the world a better place is that just make it so that everyone is suddenly valid does that make everything possible what does this mean as far as evolving our consciousness etc i think that from personal experience if you if you try to find like if you try to have like look for like synchronicities in the world like if you if you want I feel like a synchronicity is kind of like the universe talking to you. And from my own personal experience, when you lean into that and you like follow the synchronicities, weird things tend to follow. And I feel like often, as long as these aren't like self-destructive, I guess that depends on how you want to look at life, but it kind of feels like you're on the right path because it feels like you're not fighting anymore. Yeah. That that can that, that can kind of be an indicator that, you know, like maybe you're going in the right direction, you know, and, and the kind of like the more you lean into that, it, you like even more. So I feel like you start to, it kind of starts to change. It has the potential to change the way people look at life and interact with others. And it, it's, it's like, if, if you like make room for the weird and kind of like follow it and look at it, uh, I, I think that, it's kind of hard to ignore at that point that there's more to life than 
you know, the things you hate. <laughs> well said, because what you think does matter, you know, how you are inside does matter. You can't hide from that. Jake, what about you? Um, I definitely agree. There's that trail of synchronicities. That, that's how you, it's like how you know you're on the right path when you start hitting those synchronicities left and right. Yeah, like clues. Yeah. Ethereal breadcrumbs. And uh, and for me, a lot of the times, it's like the synchronicity. They like work together to where like. I wouldn't have been able to do this if this hadn't happened. This weird, crazy synchronicity hadn't happened. Then I wouldn't have been doing this for this to happen, for this to happen, for this to happen, for this to happen. Yeah. And it is, it is kind of like the path once you're. What if our yeah. lives are like a great song or an orchestra or a symphony and that every synchronicity is just really a cosmic note being played that's harmonizing with all of the other meaningful notes? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about finding your role instead of trying to force yourself onto it. You feel yeah. it out and see how you fit yep. and see what pops out to you and be like, oh, nobody's doing that and it <laughs> needs to be done. So I'm going to do this, you know? Do you guys like know? Jamming or dancing. Exactly. Actually, to your point, do you guys know the new Pixies bassist, Paz Lashintin? No. She's in, she's in uh, Zwan, but uh, most well-known for being a perfect circle. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't know she was in the Pixies, though. How cool is that, right? That is cool. Um, she actually sang on the last album, Head Carrier. Um, but she's, uh, so I've been listening to a Pixies podcast, and I was struck by something she said today. And she was said that she feels like there's this other kind of force that's been kind of guiding her throughout her life, and that... She just was that, that musician, you know, she always was that. And she just felt like, you know, without having to force herself, she just kind of felt like this thing kind of guided her to the right place. So maybe, maybe one of the key words is maybe faith and a, 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 a reasonable and strong and real faith. I don't know, but there's some kind of concept that we're trying to get at here. But so synchronicity, improving the world. Any last thoughts combining what we're saying right now? Because I got. Uh, about the only way you can really improve the world is to improve yourself. Like that's the, that's one of the first things you learn is that you can't control anybody else. But you can only make yourself better. And Ding. yep. And I've noticed the people who feel the need to try to control people other people are usually the least good at controlling themselves and the other way around. Yeah, totally, bro. Joe, what do you think? Uh, in terms of... I think that at the bare minimum, looking for and paying attention to synchronicity and odd coincidence makes life more fun and i think that it just adds novelty and i think novelty is something that's very important to humans probably mostly to be honest but like it, it's like it's joy in life you know and it feels like you're not living in a cold dead universe because something weird happened that you can't explain you're like it might be it like 
to explain some of the strangeness would you'd have to come up with a weirder explanation than like magic because sometimes magic is the best explanation like that's sometimes magic is the best explanation yeah like you can't come back from that sometimes it's weird turtles all the way down do it all right guys well thank you so much for being here tonight for the six of cups episode seven 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 and <laughs> extra crowleys well uh those are those are cold fans at that point <laughs> uh, as it were jake thank you for sure brother and joe thank you oh thank you thanks for having me it's a pleasure as always and uh Let's see here. I'm just going to... All right. Well, uh, again, thank you guys. You've been listening to the Six of Cups, and this is a cult fan. Never over, always in, something about infinity, and yes, I'll see you next time. All right. Well, that should stop the recording, but if it doesn't... Yeah. Your light is still flashing, but you got to edit it anyway. Yeah, I'll skip <laughs> it and remix it. But yeah, yeah, we're good. That's uh, so. Thanks, guys. How how was that for you guys? That was good. I think this is the most people I've ever, you know, done like a little roundtable with. I was curious to see what talking to three other people at once how that would go. How did you feel it went? It was good. It was good. I just I was. I feel like it's, uh, you know, the, the more people you add, the easier it is to, like, stumble over other people. Mm-hmm. It can be, yeah. I, d- I don't think that happened, but that, that's what I was curious about. I'm going to see if I can switch this over to my phone here. So give me a sec while I... There uh, is, like, the magic number where, like, if you get too many people, then... You know, it's like too much, but what didn't didn't Wilson and like about like the law of fives, like anything over five becomes unmanageable. I feel yeah. like that Discordian. Well it was Discordian, yeah, the law of fives. Yeah. That's feedback from your phone. Yeah, one sec guys. Just one sec. It's like it's like wolf eyes. Here, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna go I'll be back in like two minutes. I'm gonna go smoke real quick. I started getting real stoned there at the end. Do you say real stoned? Leave meeting. It's not letting me leave meeting. Okay. How do I transfer? that was an excellent show i enjoyed the heck out of that and i hope you did too feeling quite happy with what we got across and there's really not much to say keep an eye out for the further developments of the vf vrpg a cult fan is pioneering the 
how you say, fantastic Mr. Fox looks warmly over all players in the game as the XM and takes good care to make sure that everyone who plays feels, first of all, they're treated fairly, and secondly, they have a ton of fun, and thirdly, you're going to be delight, delighted, delightfully surprised and delighted at certain perks that come from playing through this game. So that's all we need to say. See you next time.